I'm glad to be here with you this morning. We look in the Philippians together. We're going to take a little jump out of Romans for, for a Sunday. Let me begin with this story. Uh, a family that had put their grandma on her first plane flight. First plane flight ever for this grandma. But she had not been very uh, confident about the experience of leaving the ground and flying this, uh, this contraption, this, this plane. And when they met her at the airport on her return, one of the family members kidded her by asking, Well, did the plane up, hold you up okay? And she grudgingly replied, Well, yes. And then quickly she added, But I never did put my full weight down on it. And I tell you that story because um, the reality is many of us Christians, myself included, are like that grandma. That is, the, the truth is, they're being sustained completely by God, but they're afraid to put, or we're afraid, to put our full weight down on Him. And as a result, many of us can often be plagued by anxiety and worry and fear. And we went miss the joy in the flight that God has for us. Few of us are strangers to anxiety. And I come to you this morning as one who, as I share these truths, I share them the truths as truths that I've had to wrestle with. I come to with you this morning um, not to speak with you as someone who doesn't know or doesn't understand or has not experienced because the reality is one of the bigger battles in my life has been the battle with anxiety. And I know sometimes people tell me, look, man, you're just kind of laid back. You know, you just look like a cool cat, all right? I know anxiety. I know anxiety enough to know how anxiety can make you sick. And so I come with you today to share of God's truth together, as you and I, and as God calls us to face our anxieties and face our worries with attitudes and actions of faith, is what he calls us to. So we're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, and I, what I want us to do is, uh, I'm going to, I want to, because Dr. Lee's kind of tired, we're all going to stand, Okay. And we're going to read this scripture together. So I want you to read. I want to get you involved. All right. And so stand now. Okay. And we're going to do a congregational reading because I like participation. And so you're just going to follow along with me as I read and allow this word to be an encouragement to, to all of us. Okay. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. 
Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And all God's people said, have a seat. Thank you for doing that with me. The Apostle Paul uh, used, through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote these words. And the Apostle Paul was one who, he, he knew something about anxiety. He knew something about worry, and he had reason to be anxious. One thing he knew that these people in the church of Philippi, that they had reasons to be anxious because they were actually a people who were facing persecution. So there was reason to be anxious. There also existed within this church community, you can even go up to the the first few verses in chapter 4, and there was uh, conflict within this church community, things that can cause anxiety and worry. And along with this, Paul himself, when he's penning this letter, this letter that emphasizes joy and rejoicing and actually calls us not to be anxious, is is himself in prison or is under house arrest with the possibility of facing execution himself. So I think he knew a little bit about anxiety. But in these letters here, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives us truth in how we face down anxiety and worry. Now before I I get into this passage and I uh, we, we dig in deep on it. I just want to bring out some distinctions. When we talk about the subject of anxiety and worry, it's, it's complex, okay? And I'm not going to oversimplify it for you. So let me just make some distinctions. The first one is this. To a measure, all of us experience anxiety, and there is a sense in which anxiety and worry is actually healthy. And this is what I mean by this. It is, there's a sense of anxiety and worry that the body actually uses as an inner warning system. That there's situations come up and it, it warns us that, hey, action needs to be taken or something needs to be done. So, so there's, there's a bit of that, that, that that's part of it. You're going to feel that at times. But a second distinction I need to make for you is that there is fear and anxiety and worry that becomes extremely irrational and harmful. Extremely irrational and harmful. Matter of fact, one statistic, and this is an old statistic here, um, that indicates that clinical, diagnosable, uh, and treatable anxiety disorders have affected 20 to 30 million Americans. And that's an old statistic. At one time, it was the number one health, mental health issue amongst women, and number two, amongst men. And there are things that range from moderate to severe anxiety. There's things like phobias and panic attacks and compulsive behaviors. And, and I just can't come and just give you a, a, a real... There's, there's complexities to this. The complexity comes, well, where did this originate? And I do believe that when someone responds... Uh, to a situation in a continual, uh, unbiblical way, or in a sinful way, that over time that can affect you physically. And it can lead to such things. At the same time, I believe that someone directly may have not done anything sinful. But because we live in a sinful, fallen world, things go wrong in our bodies. 
Just like you can have heart problems, or you can have an injured foot, or other things go wrong in your body, things can go wrong in brains and lead to problems. And the study of the brain is so complex and so varied and so unexact, it's hard to pin it down. And so I say there is a need when professionals come to play. And if there is a need, and this is controversial, but this is where I stand, there is a need at times, when appropriate, that medicine is used under appropriate guidance. And I say this because I want us to be sensitive to those who struggle with mental health. I don't want to give a flat answer, well, hey, if you just stop sinning, your worry will go away, your depression will go away, because sometimes it's just not that simple. And we need to be sensitive and understanding that. Now, at the same time, we have to treat the whole person. So whether it's physiological, we still need to approach them, yes, from the physiological side, but at the same time, we need to approach them with truth from God's Word, and we treat the whole person physically and spiritually. Now, there is a third distinction. And there are those times, many a times, when it's just because we're not responding appropriately to the circumstance. We're choosing to respond in a way that is sinful. And it leads to anxiety and fear. So we've got to tread these things carefully. And you need counsel and wisdom to help you monitor this. But regardless of what the cause would be, I want to share with you today some of the truth that you need to know and that I personally have had to wrestle with and still work through and remind myself and come back to. So let's look at the problem here of uh, worry and anxiety first. It says, be anxious for nothing. I remember reading that in my anxious times and I'm like, what? Anxious for nothing? Is, is that really possible? I mean, there, there's, I could be anxious for just about anything, but to say nothing? But that's what it says. It, it's, it's, he's calling us to come away from anxiety. He's going to give us the answers and, the, and how-tos here in a, in a moment. But let's look at this, this word anxiety. The Greek word for anxious literally carries the idea to be pulled in different directions. And that's really what anxiety feels like sometimes. It feels like you're, you're being pulled sometimes of what you know, but what you feel is different, and you're, you're being pulled in, in different directions with it. And it twists you, and it pulls you, and uh, it, it affects you mentally, physically, and spiritually. And what it ends up doing is it robs us of the life God desires for us. I heard about a woman who for many years couldn't sleep at night because she worried that her home would be burglarized. One night her husband heard a noise in the house, so he went downstairs to investigate, and when he got there, he found a burglar, and he said to him, could you come upstairs and meet my wife? She's been looking for you and worrying about you for 10 years. And the reality is that is so true. Because the, the thief might come and he might steal from us once, but the reality, what I've seen and what I've experienced is that worry can rob you of things in your life for years. 
for some folks, a lifetime. So here's just a few things that worry steals, steals from you. If you don't address it, you don't deal with it. The first is this. It comes from uh, worry will rob you of a fruitful, productive Christian life. Mark 4, 19, and Jesus is talking about the parable of the sowers and the different types of soils. And one of the remarks that he makes is this. He says, but the worries of the world, all right, he's talking about these are the things that can steal the seeds of, of fruitfulness from your life. The worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things in Uh, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. It is the worries that we can see so overcome in this world, they can so come along and they can snatch the fruit or snatch the, the seed of fruitfulness from you and keep you from what God would like to see and what you would probably like to produce in your own life as well. And Paul knew that as he wrote to this church at Philippi. He knew the things he was calling them to. He knew he was calling them to a, 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 a love of Christ and a pursuit and a passion for Christ. He knew that worry would snatch that and rob them of that. The second thing is this. Worry will rob you of energy and the joy of the Lord. You remember the story in Luke uh, chapter 10 of, of Mary and Martha? Remember that story when you, when you pick and read that story of Jesus and his disciples? He, they go to this, this place where, where Mary and Martha were friends of him. And he goes in and what we find in there is we find Mary who is seated at the feet of Jesus. She's just, there he is and, and she's at his feet. And then there's Martha who is, is busy. She's running all over the house. She's worried about how the house looks. She's worried about how the food's going to taste. Is there going to be enough? And she's worrying, worrying. And she finally comes to Jesus and she says, she's telling Jesus, look, what, here, here, what, what's Mary doing? She's slacking off. And then Jesus turns around and he says, Martha, Martha. And it, it could very much be Matt, Matt as well. And it has been. And he says these words to her. Martha, Martha. You are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And that good part was to sit at the feet of Jesus. And what worry can do and anxiety can do if it's left unchecked, it'll rob you of that joy of knowing and walking with Christ well. Christ wants that for us. He wants that for us, believer. There's a third thing. Worry will rob you of the life of faith you were called to walk as followers of Christ. Remember the story in Matthew 6 where Jesus is talking and he's, he's talking about how uh, we, they, they, they worry about so many things, but then he says, he, he talks to him. he says, you remember? He says, I want you to think about this. See all those birds out in that field? They all get fed. See, see, those, see those fields out there? I clothe them. I clothe them with the lilies of the field. And then he turns to me and he says, and you, he says, you of little faith, don't you know your Father in heaven will provide for you? And see, it's really an issue of faith. When we talk about the root of anxiety and worry, when we talk about the real hard issue, what the real hard issue is, it's, it's an issue of unbelief. 
It's an issue of doubts about God's goodness, His grace, His power, and His, His providence in our lives. It's doubt about that song of how great our God is. It's doubt of that. And so the answer is, when those doubts and those questions, when those worries and those anxieties come in, when we're seeking to face down anxiety and worry, what we have to turn with to face it down is attitudes and actions of faith in our God who is so great. And see, that's what Paul lays out to us. Here in the rest of these verses, he will lay out to us the attitudes and the actions of faith in which we can face down worry and anxiety. So let's look at the text here. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, see the, he says, first of all, he says, in everything. And it, is in, it means everything. Okay? I don't even have to go Greek on you. All right? That's what it means. That, that is, there's not a circumstance, there's not a worry, there's not an anxiety that you have that he does not want you to bring it to him. He says, and everything come. And he says prayer because if, if the heart issue of anxiety and worry is unbelief, Prayer is the exact opposite of that because what prayer is, is it's ultimately, it's dependence upon God. We come to God, we pray to Him, we cry out to Him because we need Him. We're dependent upon Him. And so it's an opportunity to begin to turn in faith. Now let's let's look closer at these these words. As a matter of fact, I had a friend, uh, I heard this many years ago, when he was talking about this passage and and, and here's the statement. This statement has stuck with me for 20, 20 years now or more. And the statement was this. Do we pray more than we worry for? Do we pray more than we worry for? Or he put it another way, is your prayer list longer than your worry list? And the reality is it should be because all those worries should go right over on your prayer list, is what should happen. Now look what he says here. There's three important words I, I want us to, to kind of highlight here. Um, he says this, with, with, while the word, look at the word prayer there. The word prayer in a general term, it means, it refers to making requests of God, but there's a certain nuance that this takes, because it carries with it an idea of adoration and devotion and worship. That is, part of this responding in faith to anxiety is that we need to enter into worship. That is, we need to come, and even though we don't feel like it, because here's the one thing that anxiety and worry does. I don't want to go be with other people. I don't want to go to church this morning. But that's exactly the thing you need to do. And here's why. Because when we come here, what we're worshiping is we're trying to, to turn and to look and to be reminded about how great and how awesome and powerful our God is. That's why we worship. And so there's been times when I don't want to go to worship because I'm feeling anxious and worrisome. 
But what I learned over time is that I needed to be there because as I went there, and as maybe I didn't feel like worshiping, but as I heard other brothers and sisters in Christ sing into my ear, even though they didn't know what I was going on in my life, when they would sing of the greatness of God, that began to help me be reminded of the reality and the truth that, you know, this worry and these anxieties I have, my God is actually bigger than that. Much bigger than that. And the greatness of God began to make me look at these anxieties and worries as like, this really isn't as big as I think. But even in those things that really were big anxieties and big worries, I began to realize that my God was so great that he was more than powerful and more than able enough to sustain me and to move me through these real difficult circumstances in my life. And see, that's why you and I have to come constantly in prayer when we're facing the anxieties and the worries that come with the circumstances of life because we need to be reminded about the greatness of who our God is and that that God that we worship, he's the same one that says up there in verse 4, he is near. He is with you. He is present. There's another word in there that says uh, supplication. Supplication refers to a prayer that is in earnest and sharing a need or a problem. It also goes on to say that your requests may be known to God. And, but this, this idea of sharing a problem is, is, is God wants us to pour that out to him. Probably been one of the greatest solaces to my, my life is the reality of the lament psalms. I remember going through times of anxiety, worry, and being encouraged. Go read the Psalms. And what I found in there is I found this man after God's own heart, David. He had worries and anxieties. And what he did with it is he shared them with the Lord, which was an act of turning in faith in the midst of it. He took his lament to God. And then get this. It says, and do this with thanksgiving. I'm like, what? I mean, when you read that at first glance, you're like, what, thanksgiving? Do you, do you know what I'm feeling? You know what? I'm not giving thanks about that. And realize it's not asking you to give thanks about that. It's just saying, saying, as you pray, as you give supplication, do it with thanksgiving. Because see, what worry and anxiety has is worry has, a, has an effect where it so turns you in on yourself And all that you can think about is that feeling, that circumstance, and you forget about all the other ways that God has worked and is working and is providing for you at that moment. So he says, with thanksgiving. There was a man who needed his pants ironed. And his wife, uh, as she ironed her, her, his pants, and these were brand new spanking new pants. They were like pants he was excited about, okay? And he got these pants and he asked her, but as she was ironing him, somehow she got distracted and uh, she, she, she burned one leg of his pants. Oh, the brother was mad. And, but in the midst of it, he caught himself. And he just kind of muttered out loud in front of his, his wife and he just prayed, Lord, I give you thanks that my legs were not in those pants at that time. (laughs) And I tell you that because no matter how we might get burned or might be affected in life, there are things to give thanks for. 
I don't care how difficult it is. If you know Christ, if you are facing death, you still have reason to give thanks. And you have reason to give thanks because death is not final for you. Death, as what death really means, is not eternal separation from God. That does not exist for the believer. The believer goes to be the Lord, and there's reason to give thanks. When one of her sons was living a wild and dangerous life, the late Ruth Bell Graham, wife of evangelist Billy Graham, found herself torn apart by worry. And one night while she was traveling overseas, she suddenly awoke and a a current of fear surged through her. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe you've had that experience of just fear just kind of out of nowhere, just kind of whelms through your body. And she lay in bed and and she tried to pray, but she suffered from kind of a, a galloping sense of anxiety. It just kind of kept rolling and kept coming and kept coming. One fear piling upon another. And she looked at the clock, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and she was exhausted. Yet she knew she would be unable to go back to sleep. And so suddenly the Lord seemed to say to her, quit studying the problem, start studying the promises. Quit studying the problem and start studying the promises. And so... She turned on the light, she got out of her Bible, and the first verses that she came to were Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And she read those words, and she suddenly realized that the missing ingredient in her prayers had been thanksgiving. And she read this, she said, And everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then she put down her Bible, and she began to spend time worshiping God for who He is, and uh, what, who He is, and what He's doing. And then she later wrote this, and let me read it to you. She said, I I began to thank God for giving me this one I loved so dearly in the first place, her son who was running wild. I even thanked him for the difficult spots which he had taught me so much. And, And here's the amazing thing. I've learned that. I hate anxiety. But I've come to a point where God in His grace has actually showed me. He says, Matt, I didn't want you to experience this, but Matt, let me show you how I can use that. And God has actually used my experience to make me a different type of minister who is compassionate and gracious and understanding with those who have mental issues such as depression and anxiety. And I finally had to come to a point and go, okay, God, I see your sovereignty in this. And I could give thanks. Then she went on to write. So she said, I even even thanked him for the difficult spots which he had taught me so much. And he said, you know what happened, she said? It was as if someone turned on the light in my mind and heart. And the little fears and the worries that had been nibbling away in the darkness like mice and cockroaches hurriedly scuttled for cover. She says, that is when I learned that worship and worry cannot live in the same heart, that they are mutually exclusive. See, if you give yourself to prayer and to worship, God uses those things to to chase off and move off the anxieties 
and worries in your life. May you face your anxiety and worries with actions of prayer and worship. Now, what were those promises she studied? Well, look, look in verse 7. You're going to love this. And it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, there's, there's two different types of peace we want to talk about. There's the peace that comes to us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's called salvation peace. That means we're no longer at enmity with God. That is, before we knew Christ, God had wrath towards us because of our sin. But because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to bear our sins for us, to die and rise again, those sins have been paid for. We have been declared righteous, and therefore we are at peace with God. There's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. That's salvation peace. But then there's the reality that all of us exist, is we don't always experience that peace. And what he's talking about here is the experiential peace, which is actually available for us if we trust in prayerful dependence on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. So peace is available to us. We just must depend on God for it. And he promises it here to us. He says, if you turn to me in this, he says... And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. Now, I love this term, guard, all right? I like war movies and stuff. I like soldiers. I used to have, like, a lot of those. You guys remember those old little plastic green men? I had a lot of those, okay? I loved them. But this term here, guard, is a military term. It's a term used of a a detachment of soldiers who stand guard over a city and, and protect it from attack. And see, when we turn in prayerful dependence, Christ is saying, hey, I'm going to be there with your hearts and minds. I'm going to be there like a soldier, and, and I'll be on the lookout when this anxiety and this worry comes, and I will guard you. And the way that I guard you in that is that I will give you peace in the midst of it if you turn to me in prayerful dependence in worship. See, we must understand something about this peace. He's not promising the peace of all your circumstances. He's talking about a peace in your soul in the midst of the circumstances. Let let me illustrate it this way. There were a number of years ago, a very rich man wanted a painting that would portray peace. And he actually, this rich man commissioned three artists to paint peaceful scenarios. And after a month... The artists return with their paintings completed, and they place them in this foyer, and they're all covered over with these veils and uh, weighing the unveiling before the rich man. Well, the first artist unveiled the painting, and the painting was of a, a beautiful mountain scene. In, in the mountain scene, it was covered. They had trees, green aspens covering the trees, and they had spring flowers, and you could see the the, the snow on the mountains, on the high peaks in the distance, and you could see the blue sky. And then the rich man looked and he says, I like it. This mountain sea is indeed peaceful. Then he went over to the second artist, and the, the second artist removed the cloth, cloth and the veil that draped the masterpiece. And his painting was of a, a beautiful ocean, ocean scene. And in this ocean scene, there was uh, white sands, there was a blue sea, it was tranquil, and the sun was slowly setting, and it was reflecting off the, the, the sea. And in the center of the picture were two people, they were, they were relaxing in their chairs, and 
putting their feet in the water a little bit. And so the, the rich man was delighted. He said this. He said, I love the beach. I love this. He says, what a splendid portrayal of peace. Well, then the third artist came to his picture, and he rather sheepishly pulled it off. As he pulled it off, the, the rich man, he, he looked at it with puzzlement. This kind of puzzlement came over his face. Like, what? And as he looked at it, the reason he did is because it was, it was a painting of a, of a waterfall. And in this scene, and this isn't really the painting of, of the picture, but in the scene, a raging river is falling and cracking on the rocks below. And the rich man kind of gets a little irritated and, and uh, irate a little bit. And he says, how is this peaceful? How is this peaceful? I've stood beside a waterfall and it's anything but peaceful. The sound of the water is deafening and all I see is turbulence and where is the peace, he said. Well, the artist, very humbly, he said, look closer, sir. He says, notice I, I painted the waterfall from the side. And he says, look closely under the fall, behind the water, and you will see a, a cleft in the rock. And he said, do you see it? And, and, and the rich man looked and leaned and peered. And he said, yes, I see it. And he said, and I also see a bird perched in that cleft. And the artist responded, that's it, sir. That's the peace. In the midst of the noisy turbulence, the, the bird has found a, a peaceful place. He said, that, my friend, is real peace. The ability to find peace in the midst of trouble chaos. And what I'm here to tell you, that that cleft in the rock of the chaos and the turbulence of our world that is filled with circumstances that cause worry and anxiety and fear, that cleft that stands behind that waterfall of worries and anxieties is Jesus Christ. And that you and I, through prayerful dependence, we can experience what that little bird experienced in the cleft of that rock. That is ours. He says, trust me. Turn to me and worship. See my greatness depend upon me. And I will give you that peace that passes all comprehension. Then he says this. He says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Simple point here about worry. Worry is fueled about our thinking. Worry is fueled by how we think about circumstances and situations. Worry is fueled about all those questions and stuff you continue to mull over in your mind. And the answer is this. To quit thinking with just your thoughts and start putting on God's thoughts. To think about what is true, what is right, what is honorable. Here are some myths that clutter the mind of anxious, fearful Christians. One, God won't help me. Maybe this, this problem is so big that God won't help me. And this is what God's Word says. Casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He says, I care for you. I will be there. Or this one, the world is full of danger, and it is. But you're not in this world alone. That's why He says in John, 1 John 4, 4, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. But greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. That is, God is in you through His Holy Spirit. And he will help you through this world. Or it's the thought, I just can't do it. This, this thing is just beyond. And guess what? You can't. 
That's why God's Word says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Or if maybe, this is what warriors do too, maybe if I work hard enough, I can just keep everything under control. Warriors love to keep things in control. But warriors need to know this, that we are to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to our own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct thy paths. It's not us controlling our paths, it's trusting Him and His direction and leading us through the circumstances of life. Here's what you need to do. The women did something like this on the women's retreat. And I actually had the men look over this as well. One of the things you need to practice when you're dealing with worry and anxiety is you need to take a sheet of paper and you need across the top, you need to put a line. And right down the middle, you need to put the line. And on one side, you need to write my thoughts. On the other side, you need to write God's thoughts. And you need to take those things about worry and you need to list those things down there. And then as you take those things, you need to go and open up this word and you need to maybe even get someone else to come alongside of you and help guide you in his words, and you need to write, what is God's thoughts about every one of your thoughts? And you need to begin to replace your thoughts with his thoughts. And when you do that, you begin to understand, and you begin to realize that he is trustworthy, and that he will guide you through these things, and that he is great. A fourth thing that you need to do is is there in the next verse, verse 9. It says, all the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. That is, there comes a place when you have to take the thoughts that you have, and despite how you feel, you have to take that step of faith, and I'm going to act on what God's thoughts and God's truth are. And sometimes you have to take that step, and you need other people to come alongside you and help you do that, but you need to take those steps and act in faith. And I'll tell you right now, There'll be times you're anxious and worrisome. You won't feel like doing it. But it's a step of faith that you take anyway. Just like the times when you don't feel like coming here because you're anxious and worried, that's a step of faith. Just come anyway even though you don't. And trust God that he can use that time to encourage you. Close with this story. When I was a, a young pup, a young boy, uh, as most kids are, maybe some of you all, I used to be scared of the dark. I did not like sleeping by myself in the dark, okay? Um, and so I used to scurry out of my room. My room was right next to my parents' room, and I would little scurry out, and I used to sneak into their bed. Well, that only worked for so long, okay? Uh, matter of fact, I can understand why my parents started pushing me out, because I have a little one that still comes in my bed, and my back hurts because of that little one. But so my parents got this plan. They started sending me off to my sister's room. You go with her. I had an older sister. Well, that only worked so long. So my parents began to work with me. And uh, no doubt, I don't remember all that they did, but they began to tell me, explain to me the truth about the darkness. Matt, there's, there's really nothing in the dark that's not when there when the light was on. And they would work with those things. And Help me with that and encourage me in those truths. But eventually, I had to take a step of faith and trust those words of my father and mother and go in to that bed and sleep on my own. But here's the deal. Even when I was in there, my bed and the head of my bed was against the wall. And on the other side of that wall, <clears throat> my parents' bed and their head of the bed was there as well. And so I sat there, but I knew 
Mom and dad were right on the other side. And we had this thing that we could do as well, that when they were there, if I just kind of wanted to know what was going on, or just, just to hear them, I could go. And then mom and dad, or one of them, would go on the other side of the wall. That felt good. Mom and dad, my father, were near. Our Father in heaven knows our worries. And he gives us a way to do this. It's called prayer and worship. And he gives us another way where he comes back and does this to us. It's his promises. And it's his way of thinking. And then that allows us to go and take steps of faith in the midst of anxiety and worry. Dear believer, God loves you. He's near. He's near to you in your anxiety and your worry. And he wants you to call on him. And in the face of anxiety, he wants you to turn with attitudes and actions of faith and dependence upon him. And he promises the peace that surpasses all understanding. Dear God, we come to you. We come to trust in you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who struggle with anxiety and worry. Lord, I pray if there are issues that are, are beyond that there are physical, physiological things there, I pray that they will be willing to reach out and get the help and the appropriate help that is needed. But even in the midst of that, Lord, I pray they will turn to your truth and know that we must approach things from a holistic perspective. We must come to your truth and change our way of thinking and our mind.